This is Beer and Bee Movies. I'm Jason. And I'm Michael. And today we're drinking Elysian Dark of the Moon Pumpkin Stout. It's a stout with chocolate and cinnamon. Cheers. It's It's got, there's a little smokiness in there. You're, you're getting the chocolate. You're getting a lot of robust, rich stoutiness to it. It might be kind of a dessert beer. With a little chocolate, if you wanted to go like with a slice of cheesecake... If you're a cheesecake person, I think that would be delicious with this. The oh, the movie we're watching today, 1990, The Bronx Warriors from yeah. 1982. You know, you watch this movie, you have a couple of these, and then you'll forget what you just spent your time period watching. I'll tell you, when you get into autumn, I'm again, being from east of Los Angeles, far, far to the east... Autumn, the temperature really drops. You're getting into the 40s, and nights can get down to the high 30s, and it's so nice. These nice, rich pumpkin beers, you start your brain just starts clicking for those. And it's it does get a little chilly out here, not right now, but those cool nights, especially when you're down by the ocean, a good pumpkin stout sets you right. I've never seen this movie before. I have not either. I remember this movie, but when I was looking at it, I'm taking ownership of this. This was my choice. I looked at this movie and I thought, I remember this. And when I started watching it, I said, I did not see this. I'm shocked because this movie blatantly rips off Mad Max. Escape from New York. Escape from New York. The Warriors. The Warriors opening credits which are fantastic it's a black background it shows a weapon like a fist with a studded glove a hand with long knife nails and the music somebody with wonderful makeup and then a bowler cap that's glittered right out of clockwork orange and a john carpenter like soundtrack oh john carpenter like i mentioned this (laughs) if i had been on a jury and john carpenter had sued them i would have listened to that and i would have said you owe john carpenter money and that exact quote at the very beginning that text that scrolls across the screen says 1990 the bronx is officially declared no man's land the authorities give up all attempts misspelling it's a t t e m P.S. That's a good pickup. And they've, ne- they've never that. corrected this. <laughs> to restore law and order. From then on, the area is ruled by the writers. Which is a complete lie. That's completely the, incorrect. You're right. The ogre <laughs> and the tigers, who are another gang, the, the riders, as you might suspect, ride motorcycles. There are some interesting gangs in this movie. It's not necessarily gangs of New York. And it's, it is closer to the Warriors, where there are gangs that maybe at that time people would have been intimidated by. Nowadays, you would see that gang, and I'm no fighter, but I would have no problem walking down the street seeing some of these gangs. I would go, ah, they can't hurt me. And you're right. It seems that the ogre and his tigers actually rule the Bronx, and the riders have an area, along with some groups that I cannot make out, because at one point they said, hey... The gangs that populate the Bronx are the... There's other gangs like the Jackals, the Scavengers, the Sharks. I think of the Sharks. I think of the Sharks and the Jets. West Side Story. West Side Story. The Scavengers. Yes. There's zombies who are roller skating, field hockey, samurai gang. With strange 
vest, yeah. pointy shoulder pads, not intimidating. One iota. And there's nothing intimidating about these guys with their hockey sticks no. and their skates. And then there's a Broadway tap dancing gang. Are they, are they the sharks? They could be. They actually prove more effective than the zombie. It's fairly comical. They come stepping out and they have their canes for fighting. They prove more effective fighters than some of the other gang. And then I just wrote shamblers. They kind of look like zombies. They're wearing rags. No, no. Those are those are the, um, the scavengers. I could not, I those, could not those, keep track those of Those are the scavengers. <laughs> the zombies. Yeah. This, this is what happens. Now, when you drink and when watch bad movies exactly. with too many gangs. We know the riders. We know the tigers. The zombies are the uh, roller skating yeah. dudes. Yeah. The scavengers are the ones who are like below ground. Okay. Again, that moment in, in Escape from New York yeah. where he's hiding and all those goofballs are running around. They're like, yeah. hey, you need to be out because these yeah. guys. And they come up from the floor and pull yes. that lady down. It's a terrible moment. That's what these guys are. At, totally ripping. So those are the scavengers. We should talk about why this is a B-movie. It's clearly <laughs> an Italian ripoff. And there was a time period that he made a, a movie that was called The Big Shark or The Last Shark or something. And Universal prevented it from being shown because it was a direct ripoff of Jaws. There was this time where they it sounded like this director was making some ripoff movies. I'm not saying that this is a complete ripoff. Yeah, well, a fruit from this tree, a fruit yeah. from this tree, a fruit from this tree. It's it's all a ripoff, but it's done so poorly that I think people just said, leave them alone. And it's low budget. Oh, the budget. The two things I looked at and went, oh, they got Fred Williamson. Yes. Blaxploitation. He was ex-NFL player. Blaxploitation. He plays guy. the ogre. Yep, Excellent. he's the ogre. That's a get. And Vic Morrow. He always looks like your friend's dad who says... It's my way or the highway. Way too much. He plays a real degenerate. The plot is the heir to the Manhattan Corporation, which apparently runs all of the military industrial complex around the world, is Anne. She has decided to run away from her responsibilities before she turns 18 to no man's land, the Bronx. She establishes a romantic relationship with Trash. The Manhattan Corporation decides they have to get her back. And of course, they said in Hammer. And that's the basic plot of the movie. We get that early titles, tell you about where we're at. The Bronx is terrible. This young woman escapes into the Bronx. And? Very easily, I yes. might add. Yes. Because the Bronx is just this horrible, horrible place. But it's like people are getting in and out. And right across the river, there's always booming traffic. So apparently, like, the Bronx is just this one little place where it's everything's awful. It's business as usual everywhere else. Yeah. And we're going to get to it because there was something I caught where I don't think the Bronx is really that bad. I think they were overselling it. Aside from the fact that the gangs are not intimidating. No. So, But this young woman runs over the bridge into the Bronx. She runs afoul of the zombies. Who are, <laughs> they're tapping, tapping the ground with their yeah. sticks, their uh, hockey hi sticks. Hi yeah, hi yeah, hi they're, hi they're communicating yeah. through grunts. Yes. And they start harassing her. I think you mentioned A Clockwork Orange. Alex and his droogs would just completely overrun. They would deal with these guys in no uncertain terms. Agreed. So they start harassing this young woman, and you're thinking, oh, dear. Well, then you see a skull light. Then you see the riders come in. They have skulls over their headlights. The zombies go, oh, no, it's the riders. 
And then they engage them in a fight. Calling it choreographed is just really doing a disservice to people who actually choreograph things. It's just bad. But she's hiding. The writers beat these guys up. There's bloodshed, but there's really no blood no. because I don't think they had the budget the, for it. The switchblades oh, on the motorcycle, the I thought that was pretty cool. It but... was cool. If you don't have the people, you can't do like, I cut your legs off. Yeah. It, it basically, it's like switchblades. These blades come out. People they down. knock people down. The zombies are like, ah, trash goes over, sees Anne and goes, you know, hey, what are you doing here? Yeah. And that's when you find out his, his acting style is slightly better than his walking style because yeah. it's very, it's just, it's awkward. Anne says, you know, hey, I just came from Manhattan. Yeah. And he said, and he goes, do you want me to take you back there? Again, this horrible no man's yeah. land just seems to be really easy to get in and out. Yeah. It's like there's just no issue. No. The bridge is open and people are just... Eh, no checkpoint. Come and, come and go as you please. No. There certainly is no Duke of New York. In the escape from New York, there was a distinct checkpoint in terms of crossover here. Oh, you, you, you better believe it. <laughs> I'm going to just say it right now. Walking is going to be a huge topic in this episode because the leader of the riders is a fellow called Trash, and he's an Italian guy who goes by the name Mark Gregory. His original name is Marco Di Gregorio. He's a good-looking guy. Really too pretty to be the leader of this nasty old gang. Let's stop there for a second, because I think, and even the credits suggest, that they hired Hell's Angels to help backfill the riders. And you look at all these other riders. They're riding Harleys, beards, tattoos. They look like hardened... Some of them. The ones without speaking part. And, and they, the guy with half an arm. There's a yeah. guy with a hook. And I went, that's a real Hell's Angel. Yes. The guy who plays Blade, not no. so much. Or Ice, no, not Ice, so much. no. No. But Mark Gregory is 17 when he made this movie. I believe the director had run into him. He worked at the local gym in Rome. And he wanted him for the part. So this is one of his, I think, the first acting jobs he and didn't have many no he did not have many in fact he the just sequel a, to this yeah he made i think he made two sequels to this movie and then it, thunder thunder and then he's in 89 he stopped he just disappeared just be perfectly yeah. honest he's not a good act it's not his fault they hired him i you know if somebody came and said you could be the lead yeah. in this movie i would take it what skill set did he have where you looked around this hardened core of writers and say, you know what? That guy, that high pants wearing mother. <laughs> he has his pants. He's, he's got like mom jeans times two. His knee high boots. He's awkward in his in his walking. It's the strangest walk of all time. Yes. I mean, even Monty Python would not have used this in the Ministry of Silly Walks sketch. <laughs> it is just such an awkward. <laughs> I read Fred Williamson said, because Fred Williamson was a man's man. I mean, this guy played in the NFL back in the day when the NFL was nasty. Apparently, Mark Gregory's walk was so not good, Fred Williamson had to teach him how to walk like a tough guy. 
This was the result. This was the best Fred Williamson could do. And that guy could just be sitting in silk shirt and be manly, which he does in this movie. He's like a swashbuckler. (laughs) He's totally dressed. You know, I never thought about that, but he is. He is totally dressed like a swashbuckler. Yes. And he's manly as hell. And Mark Gregory is walking through on like peg legs with his shoulder. Like he took the the back straight, shoulders back thing way too far. Clearly... Doesn't know how to drive a motorcycle. He looks awkward on the motorcycle. And all of a sudden when he gets off, it's so stunted and stilted the way he walks. Every time he walks, it pulls you out. It jars you out of the movie. You're not interested in anything other than why is he walking like that? Are we going to get an explanation? Was there... Does he have a rod in his back? And none none of his crew addresses it no. no nobody says he walks like that because they just let him walk strangely all over the bronx and in fact i watched this movie again last night i had my wife sit in and watch it and my Why? wife looks at Why this Why did you do that because i was trying to i go am i off is there something wrong she goes that walk and i'm quoting my wife his walk is like a nine-year-old girl it's so wrong. And every scene, she's like, why is he doing this? Like and I said, dude, it just pulls you out of the it movie. It does. I mean, I'm surprised. Every time. Dude, I can talk about this movie a lot. I can talk about the plot. But to the casual viewer, if there are casual viewers yeah. of this movie, would just be, that's what they come away with. Yeah. They go, what was up with this yeah. dude's walk? I wonder what his walk looked like before Fred Williamson, like, listen. Yeah, like, like Fred Williamson. These Hell's Angels are making fun of you. You need to step it up yeah, a bit. Yeah, Fred Williamson stopped everything yeah. at some point and he said, young man, I need to teach you how to walk like a tough guy. And then at some point, Fred Williams said, this is the best I can do. So the woman, we're back to, Trash takes her, she says, I don't want to go back to Manhattan. Yeah. Really trusting young lady. Yeah. No, absolutely. And no re- because you're going to no man's land. You're going to this horrible place. I mean, and the writers end up being like really nice guys. Then we go back to Manhattan where we find out this woman is someone important. If she turns 18, if she's not there, you know, they can't do anything. At some point in the structure of this corporation, there was a fail. Yeah. There's a man talking to another man and he says, what do we do? Call Hammer. And that is a big deal because the, his right-hand man he's talking to is like, oh, man, we, whoo, so, do we need a hammer? Like, this is, it's like, basically, it sounds like you're calling in Rambo. The Manhattan Corporation. Number one, they have a problem with their business continuity plan. If your heir disappears, you probably should have some continuity plans to address that. And number two, HR, they're going to decide to hire a hammer and a psychopath. HR and their business continuity planning area need to really circle the wagons and say, you know, we have some internal issues. We're making some bad decisions. So this is an issue where they just had to make this a plot point. It, when you stand back and you look at it, I'm like, well, I get that doesn't she's make a lot of sense. I get it. It's important. She's <laughs> yeah. important. We cut to a dead man on the banks of a river. Yes. The riders pull up. And there's a guy playing a drum, which is kind of like the coolest part of the whole movie. That is one of the best scenes of this, the entire this movie. This dude's just jamming out on a little drum kit. It's and beautiful. he's laying down a pretty cool beat. Yes. The riders pull up and they see their, their friend, one of their own, is dead. And they're like, what the heck? 
all of a sudden these cool old cars pull in with a bunch of people dressed up like it's the 40s and it's the tiger this guy leech comes out he's got a weird voice and he's just oh he is just loving that he gets to play this weird character and he gets out and says hey trash and trash says where's the ogre so he goes and talks to the ogre and the ogre says hey this guy had a gizmo someone's watching you guys the cops do you think there is a time period between trash saying yes basically you could stay with us to that next scene where there's a dead writer. Deleted scenes because it feels like she's been there. For I think a while. even her makeup. Because dead writer represents someone who was spying on her and had a gizmo, the gizmo from the Manhattan Corporation to track and her down. The beginning, they tell us cops want nothing to do with this place, but they're coming in here and they're doing things and they're trying to keep track of you and know where you are. It's like. What do the cops care or do they not care? Did they just wall this place off like in Escape from New York and say, you're on your own, we're not coming in? Or are they always trying to keep tabs on these characters? And then I try to look at the badges on these police officers and it says like, official vigilantes <laughs> Bronx. There's a scene where you see them flying over. Yes. And they have oh, and there's nothing terrible positive things. to say about look people at, living in this look area. Look at these people. Yeah. Uh, They're cockroaches. This, <laughs> it's just awesome. Hammer arrives and he's carrying a package. He looks like a mailman. He looks like he looks like the world's biggest jerk of a mailman. <laughs> he's got a trucker hat on. He's yeah. just walking. There's the local drunk guy. He's like, "Hey, mailman, give me a doo doo." Comic relief, like Total you have a mail, relief. you yeah, have a letter yeah. from my yeah. junk. <laughs> <laughs> so Hammer comes in and just completely makes you realize this is a horrible, horrible person. He goes into this abandoned building. There's a man and a woman. They're they're snogging on the stairs, messing around. Hammer walks up the stairs. They go, oh, hey, this guy's here. The guy gets up. He pulls a knife. He goes, you know, basically. Move and I'll kill you. Move and I'll kill you. Don't move and I'll the kill you. Stay there, I'll kill yeah. you. Hammer, what we realize now is that there's a gun in this long package he has. I don't know why he has it in a package. He turns around, shoots this guy in the chest. Then he shoots the woman. Yes. He sh- the woman is just screaming. She's doing nothing. She's just screaming. Hammer just goes, boom, kills her. At that point, you go, oh, this guy sucks. There's two statements Hammer makes during the movie. One is, I work for nobody. I don't care about the Manhattan Corporation. I don't care about the girl. I don't care about politics. I don't care about anything. I believe in nothing. I'm Hammer, the exterminator. <laughs> now, once again, goes to this human resources show. Why would you hire this guy? Like, you're trying to be hush eyes. Like, this guy is going to create a lot of problems. And then later on, he, he meets with Hot Dog, who's played by Christopher Conley, a great actor, has a raspy voice. Died way too young, sadly, from lung cancer. Too much smoking. And Hot Dog says, you're playing with fire. And this is where, like, Vic Morrow's acting is excellent. Because he says, I know, and I love it. And there's a second take, and you just look at his face, face, and he says, I love it. After Hammer kills, at that point, he's not killing people anymore. He's just making a nuisance of himself. And he throws, like, a smoke grenade. Oh, yes, he drops the tiger ring, which is supposed to be a huge tell. And then he leaves, gets in Hot Dog's rig, 
and they BJ and the Barrett yeah. out of there, and they go, hey, there goes Hot Dog. There goes the guy we got to chase him. They chase him down. Meanwhile, Hammer jumps out, climbs up some stairs, disappears. They stop Hot Dog. He's just sort of rude to the riders. They say, yeah. what's going on, Hot Dog? He's like, I don't know. And he's got this great line. Well, that's where we need to talk about the cursing that was used in the late 1970s, early 1980s. Yes. Now, he uses some curse words that you just, that you don't use anymore. Pisshead. Just keep talking, fag face, and I'll rip your fucking lid off. People say that, but you don't, you're not usually putting that in movies. Different time, different swear words. It's Fred Williamson, Vic Morrow, and Chris Connelly that carry the movie. Except for Ice. And Ice Ice has a couple of moments. He yeah. does play his role well. He does. With his Jackson Brown hair. Yeah. And you know that he's a bad guy because he's wearing a Nazi outfit. Anytime <laughs> in a movie where some person's willing to wear a Nazi officer jacket, that's probably going to be a bad guy. Because you don't get to roll around with a swastika. No. And and do good deeds. And I had to look that actor up. His name is Joshua Sinclair. And you could do a whole nother podcast on that guy's life. He has a MD and specializes in tropical disease. And he has a PhD in theology. His resume is amazing. That's like your modern day renaissance man. And basically they put a point gonna... like, hey, he liked acting as well. There's not a lot of people like that. Why that not can... add it to the pile, man? Exactly. He has succeeded in multiple areas. Not to say that being a 1990 Bronx Warriors is a point of, like, hey, I've succeeded as an actor. But, hey, he how made a movie. Time, how many times have you watched that movie now? In the oh, la- a, in a, the lot. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I'm really well versed in that movie. Hammer has killed two of the writers. So they're going <laughs> to honor our dead. This is where the director realized, I only have an hour, maybe a plot. <laughs> so this honoring our dead scene where we're going to burn our dead like a Viking funeral. There's some operatic music that's underlying this. Intense. And it's just a beautiful moment. Exactly. And, and they show every single gang they member's face. They just do the montage. Yes. Through, and, and I think that at the time they thought this is such a, this is going to be so dramatic. Yes. This is going to be as dramatic as like the classic Godfather it's like where people are getting killed and we're going to the baptism and then people are getting killed and you go back and it, it just falls so flat because you just cut to these people yeah. and it looks like a journey video from the early 80s it, it, and it's so bad. It's so bad. It's just, it's so weak and you're they're just standing there. And I You have to watch the scene. They pick up ashes after they burn these two people <laughs> and, then and they, they go back and they're throwing it. But if you look... The wind is blowing on that day. Clear's the only day they shot, and it's blowing back into their faces the whole time. I'm like, this is really bad. Sure, but I wonder if the Coen brothers saw that, yeah. and then they the, the big Lebowski. Yes, when Walter, when they're gonna. <laughs> That's throw, what I thought of when Donnie, because they they pick up a handful, yeah. and then when they go and throw it, it's yeah. like a heck of a lot more than just a handful yeah. of ashes. Yeah. It's a lot of ashes, but it just it's blowing back on them, and I just all I could think of was Walter throwing Donnie's ashes and it just comes right, right back in their face and, I, and, and again it's like so often we're watching these movies and maybe you watch them so much you just keep trying to find something yes. a connection but I went I wonder if the Coen brothers have watched this movie and they remembered that and it's almost I want to hope there's a scene a little earlier but I have to touch on it because they send the, these cops in and these cops they're driving it looks like a bread delivery van and they get in and 
the riders are sitting at this intersection and the cops see them and they're talking about, oh, look at these guys, you know, I'm going to kill them, we're going to kill them. And they they say, we're not supposed to engage except in self-defense. And the riders are going, look at these guys, they've got real guts. They should get a medal for coming into the Bronx. Let's give them a good greeting. And you think, oh, the cops are here, the riders. It's like, oh, this is going to get, whoa. So the riders take off in their motorcycles and the cops are following them. Well, this is what the riders have planned. One of them gets up on top of the truck and then he crawls to the front with a can of spray paint and he spells the word shit on the windshield as the cops are driving their cop bus, the delivery van. And I just, again, I just keep going back to you're the least scary gang. These are the people that made the cops say, we don't go to the Bronx anymore. You're on your own. And that's their big thing. They Spray don't, they don't shit on <laughs> cop windows. And I just laughed about that. That's such weak sauce. And you guys, this is the lamest gang ever. One thing I want to discuss is Anne herself. Because we end up eventually getting to a scene where she runs away from the writers because constantly every time there's a death or something strange she's like I think they're after me and no one pays attention to her but finally she's on the beach it's supposed to be what I consider a very romantic scene with trash and reveals her heart that she is indeed the heir to the Manhattan Corporation the reason all of trash's people who are dying is because they're after her but she doesn't want to go back and live a life of luxury because she'll be a <laughs> puppet. A pu- Instead, she wants to live in abandoned buildings that have been condemned or been set on fire. With, with unpleasant and, people. No doubt, very low hygiene. I mean, Trash is still not changed his clothes yet. And Trash delivers almost a poem or a soliloquy on death at oh the beaches. <clears throat> we were born dead. Life means nothing. We live with death every single day. Death walks with us. Death rides and sleeps with us. We carry its smell under our skin. If I should die protecting you, my life would have meaning. Now, I think I'm reading that more dramatically than it, oh, the oh, read no, that Mar- scene. Yeah, Mar- Mark Gregory was... It was awkward. I like the, sh- the cinematography where... He's facing the camera. She's facing away to the waters. You know, yes. it's one of those scenes. You know that like Spandau Ballet. Like, yes, <laughs> no. And so, but the death that we see is only because Anne is there. Exactly. It's Hammer. Like go back know? and then, but whenever like the denizens of the Bronx engage, no one's dying. When the writers face the the zombies, like they just sort of push each other around, and then it's over. It's like, where is all this death trash? <laughs> the only death is because she's here. Yeah. I might be like pushing her across like, the bridge. Maybe you like, should leave. Yes, exactly. Yeah. We were doing fine. And and, and trash. There's, there's are set a, upon by gangs. They throw and, a net over them. And that just completely just... I don't stop know why they them. didn't think of nets earlier. Clearly a really good way to if stop the riders. If you want to stop the riders, but nets. Nets. Doesn't have to be any specific net. Just throw a net at them and they're... Ah! We're leading up to the climax now. This is where it gets very close to the Warriors movie. Trash escapes from the net, comes back to the riders saying, Hey, I need staff. 
and we're going to go and rescue Anne. <laughs> I love and, my meat staff. Yeah, like, and, and basically it's like that gauntlet and the warriors were like, we're going to go through various gang territory well, to he, get Anne. But he also, his, his right-hand man, Blade, who totally looks like he's in Frankie Goes to Hollywood. He's totally loyal to Trash. Yeah. He, and they know Ice is like, something's he's, up with he's him. Bad. He's bad. So, he wears a Nazi outfit. Yes. You know this is not going to end well so, for Ice or that he's going to be a great supporter of Trash. So Trash is saying, hey man, we got to do this thing. The zombies, you know, got my girl. We yeah. got to go get her. This is some. There's some stuff going down. Yeah. I need some people, and they're like, "Hey, yeah, me, me, me." Yeah. And then he says, "Yeah, okay, you guys." But he tells Blade, his right hand man, he says, "You know, you stay here." And Blade's really upset. He's yeah. like, "What?" And he says, "You need to keep an eye oh, on nice. Ice." And this is part of Hammer's once again very complicated plot where he decides <laughs> so, to basically turn Ice against. The tigers, yeah, and the tigers against ice, yeah. and then people against the yeah. And, and the I, I idea, got lost several times. Oh, and <laughs> I think the idea is they all kill each other, and then Hammer is he. We find out he's from the Bronx. Yes, he's Hammer from the Bronx. Yeah, and I can point out real quickly, Vic Morrow. Interesting enough, born in the Bronx. A lot of people remember Vic Morrow on how he passed away. Yeah, and he. This was the final movie released with him in it, acting all the way through. He was filming that Twilight Zone movie. There was that horrible helicopter accident and he passed away. Hammer, his character, it's very complicated and like what he's trying to do. He, yeah, know. I don't even know. No. I've, I've watched this movie several times yeah. now. And, and I, he's, apparently at the end, by the end, he's a police officer. Well, that's what I love. Yeah. It, a, he bounces back across yeah. the river to get his outfit. And they All keep, leather police outfit. And they keep telling him. Hammer, you can't screw this up. You've yeah. got this amount of time. Yeah. And then he just laughs at him. He just laughs yeah. at everybody. So... Trash, like you said, it's the warriors. Yeah. They're going down underground, and it's sort of like Kung Fu also, yeah. where you're going through different levels. Yes. Getting through. And the scavengers are these scary, like you said. They look like they sort of have chalk or lime yeah. all over them. They wear rags, and they make a bunch of ooh, ooh yeah. sounds. And they come, and they grab people and kill them. I thought they'd be like cannibals or something, but apparently they just take you and hurt you and kill you. That's exactly. their bag. And yeah. so they're going through, and then they come upon... Ogre and they're snooping around, and all of a sudden, the Hammer comes up, and Hammer's like, Ha! and yeah. he kills one, one of, of Ogre's people. And then he's got Trash by gunpoint, yeah. and he's like, oh, I'm gonna blame this on you. And I'm like, Well, Trash doesn't have a gun, and that's gonna be a problem. And what is why are you doing this, Hammer? Yeah, why? Like, why don't you just get the girl and get shouldn't, back shouldn't over into be, Manhattan? Shouldn't you be at the zombies? Yeah. I mean, those guys, I could beat those guys yeah. up. Yeah. Trash says, you're the biggest son of a bitch of all. He's like, you're trying to make everybody forget you're from the Bronx. And Hammer goes, no. When I'm done, everyone's going to know I'm from the Bronx. Exactly. Like, that's the thing is he's got some real civic pride. Yeah. So then he jumps, hoping that the Tigers are going to blame all this on Trash. But the witch, who's Ogre's right-hand lady, she's got a whip. And those little claws on the end of her fingers, she's pretty cool. And that, so, that, but she knows like there is someone here because they think, oh, you killed our guy, trash. You're in big trouble. So they take him to the ogre, and he and the ogre have an exchange. And he goes, hey, we this lady, she's important. We need to do this. They're trying to turn us against each other. Then he invokes the name of Hammer, and Ogre goes, Hammer. <laughs> He's like, hmm. I owe him. All of a sudden, this movie switches into a fantasy film. Because you have a character who runs this kingdom called the Ogre. 
His right-hand person is the witch. And their abode is a castle. He's got and a he, guy called Leech. Yeah, and he's dressed like a swashbuckler. Everybody's got animal-type yeah. names. And he decides, I'm going to help you. And we're going to owe each other by the end of this. And so he goes with Trash. And they go to the zombies. And they fight the lead of the zombies. The golem. And rescue Anne. They bring back Anne back to the ogre's lair. And it's almost like it's a cocktail party where Anne's playing the piano. And also oh my, she's, oh she seems God. really comfortable about eventually being the lead of this Manhattan Corp. Also, like, things change. Like, you know what? I was a wet blanket for 90% of this movie. <laughs> and now, you know what? Being the lead of the Manhattan Corporation may have its advantages. Oh, and and the ogre is, like, selling her on it. Like, you should really, like, take this job. Then he says something in trash. You think, oh, maybe things are going to go yeah. sideways. But they bring out a birthday cake and it's happy birthday to yeah. you. Like, somehow everybody now knows it's going to be her birthday. It was so surreal. They're like at a 1970s cocktail party. With this the bongos. Is, yeah. And it's, it's just so weird. It is like, so tripped out. Meanwhile, Hammer has gone back to Manhattan. All he's got to do is get bring, Anne. Br- get That's Anne, all. bring her back alive. He makes fun of, he yeah. laughs and mocks the people yeah. who are hired him. Always a good plan. And then he puts on a new outfit. They give him an army. It, they send all these guys over with flamethrowers, yes. horses. There are horses. There's helicopters. There's all this. And then People Hammer, shooting grappling hooks up onto the castle. Total grappling It's like hooks. a fantasy movie again with a, a siege scene out of a fantasy movie. A great part of the movie. I love that part I love, of the movie. I love the flamethrowers, but I don't know why. Hammer is completely off his nut. He's Just insane. Laughing maniacally. There's, he's standing because on the ceiling where the ogre and all his people hang out, there's a, conveniently this big circle cut out of the ceiling so Hammer can stand on the next floor, raising his fist, literally raising his fist and laughing and screaming, going, burn them all, burn them all. And people are just riding around, burning people, people up with a flamethrower. And this is when Trash, they kind of burn him that's when he gets to finally take his vest off yes takes it so he's bare chested hammer fails at his only goal because Anne gets shot that's all he was sent to do they told him several times this needs to be hush hush they agree to sign (laughs) off and like we're gonna send an invasion that is not hush hush that's really poor publicity (laughs) my my whole plan is to go in there on a just a complete scorched earth policy. Doesn't Hammer at one point say, execute Operation Burn yes. Earth? Right away, I'm, well, well, wait a second. That's not going to work out. The quiet, get in, get her out, complete fail. Hammer gets a small army, goes over there, makes the loudest racket he can, burning things. The only thing they did say, though, was they said no witnesses, which... Who cares? I don't know why that was such a big deal to the people hiring Hammer. If you get the girl out, that's all you need. Why do you care? And Hammer, at that point, he's like, ah, it's going to be ashes. Nothing but ashes is going to be left. So he's screaming and laughing as his people are riding around, burning all of the riders. The witch is, you know, doing her best. She does some great work with the whip and stuff. They finally get her then the, the ogre dies the, as a king where he's burning, but he's able to sit down next to his throne and everything yep, like that. and lights up a cigar, his last cigar. They burn. It's trash. Doesn't really hurt too bad. Then Hammer, standing above yeah. everything, like, you know, like a yeah. god, like you said, Nero. Yeah. And, he, and he goes, I'm a god. You know, Hammer is a yeah. god. Like he calls himself a god. Yeah. And Trash, 
grabs one of the yeah. grappling hooks. Shoots him. Boom. Hammer's like, boo, yeah. yeah, that's a bummer. And he falls through the, the floor. He falls down. Trash ties it around. Very much like an old western. Yep. And drags the bad guy out of the town to the ending credits. I thought it was kind of fitting. Yeah. What more do we need? So the, this movie is just such a, a wonderful piece of work. And this, this episode, I'm going to be honest... This episode is going to be a complete mess. Yeah, it because is. Because it's hard to talk about this movie in any coherent, linear no. <laughs> sense. You're jumping all over because it's just, it's maddening. It's a maddening movie. My question, would you recommend this movie? If you know what you're getting in, you know, don't get this as a first date movie. No. Don't, unless you met your date at Comic-Con and, you know, somebody who might appreciate... This is a goof-off movie that, you you know what? You play a drinking game with friends. Yes. This, this would be a really good drinking game movie for people. Just, it's a cheesy, bad movie to have some laughs. That's what I would recommend. If you're just somebody who loves to, like, take in crummy movies and have some laughs, what about you? I could not, in good conscience, unless you've had a couple beers, recommend, like, hey, throw this on. As a good family no, movie. you have to qualify. <laughs> yes, you, you exactly. You have to qualify. Obviously, we're doing yeah, this podcast. Because we like these type of movies. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Yes. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm never going to go, this movie is up there with Escape no, from New York. No, no. No, no. This is not a good movie. But, Do Escape from New York first. But these things exist. And I think they should be viewed. But they should be viewed under certain circumstances. Yeah. You don't, you don't go, let's have a really good movie night and watch 1990 The Bronx Warriors. If you want to see somebody walk very oddly, oh. you want to see one of the most specific, <laughs> unique walks of all time, this is a movie you might want to check out. Absolutely. If you- I, it would be great if people could start a, a whole trend of walk like Mark Gregory. Because if you can nail this walk, you're pretty good. Because I've tried to walk around and it's sort of made my back hurt. <laughs> Trying to walk like that was just absurd. So no, this, this, this movie, all of these movies have their place. This one is particularly bad. Yes. But it's, it's fun. It's fun. So if you're the kind of person like you're having a fun movie night. You know, you get together with some friends and you're just drinking having some food and you're like we just watch cheesy movies this is a great movie for that I think it would be a lot of fun because you'd have a lot of laughs and you can't take it too seriously and and pick out the things that just expose it like the kids in the background playing basketball yeah I completely agree and and what saves us also is that they hired some actors like Vic Morrow Christopher Connolly Fred Williamson, who have some acting chops. When they're on the screen, it's hard to turn away. But there's a lot of this movie where when you're watching it, it's hard to stifle a chuckle. Oh, it's, yeah. And it's unintentional. It's not meant to be a comedy. Yeah. And it's overcomplicated. I think this is a good place to end it. Thanks to uh, Michael for bringing the Dark of the Moon pumpkin style. And this is Beers and Be Movie. I'm Jason. I'm Michael. Thank you very much.